Hello, welcome to the Curator Podcast. This is episode 38. Hello, welcome once again, dear listener, to the Curator Podcast. I am your host, Mark Fraser, and this is episode number 38. Now, this podcast, this episode, is kind of turned into a double header. On this episode, I interviewed Jamie, the guitar player and singer, one of the singers, one of the guitar players, in a band called Atlas Empire. But he also runs a podcast called Hello Fi, which is the podcast for Lo Fi Studios in Glasgow. A couple of weeks ago, he asked me to come in and do an interview for his podcast. And this week, I'm returning the favour. This is technically part two because we'd already done his podcast, but that won't be out until later. So even though this is part two, to you, listener, this is actually part one. So I, it was really great to sit down and chat with him. I've been a huge fan of Atlas Empire for a long, long time. I even put out one of their records in my brief stint as a record label boss a mogul of music if you will um, that was a weird experience but yeah lovely guys I've always enjoyed their music and Jamie's a really really awesome guy and as you'll find out in this podcast very intelligent very articulate guy we got on quite well and I think there's a really good rapport there which we will probably pick up quite quickly we had great fun well, I had great fun. I don't know if he had great fun. He might not have had great fun. He might have hated every second of it. I don't know. But I had great fun talking to him and hearing all about his stories and stuff. Guys had a very colourful life. And he's also we've also got a lot of the same interests, which I feel is quite cool as well. So it gives, a, gives the interview a nice cadence. It's also a really long interview, so I'm not going to rab it on for too much longer. Before we get into it, I'm going to... He's given me a song... Um, and the song's called A Throwaway And it's from a soul album that he's working on So this song's actually an exclusive Which is pretty cool So yeah, from Jamie Stewart's solo album Which will come out at some point This song is called A Throwaway Bird in a nightmare, he told me in cold air decide Decide on your nightmare and said he decides here is your fear for future Here comes the light here comes Tried in the night, slowed by the cold. You're warm, you're warm to your sad fate. He called from the fresh grave I made, the bones of a throne, and flames. 
Jamie, this is part two. That's part two. Technically part one, though, no, because part two isn't part one. Part one point five. Yeah, part one in the middle somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. We're in the same place as we recorded your podcast. Yeah. But now you're the other side. How does that feel? I don't like it. Don't like <laughs> it. Why don't you like it? <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's the first time you've been interviewed on a podcast. Yeah, it is. It is. What are you expecting? All, all these... Uh, all these these times of interviewing people for my own podcast, just so that eventually someday I'll go, why don't you come and do the <laughs> podcast with us? We'll talk about you, you can talk about yourself, it's your favourite subject. People love talking about themselves, man, that's the best thing. <laughs> no, everybody does. Yeah. I, do. I do, but not That's does. why I do podcasts, I like to hear people talking about themselves. It's, it's nice. Um, so now you're on the other side, How did, why did you start podcasting? I, I like talking to people. Yeah, uh, that's not true. I don't like talking to people at all. It's nonsense. I suppose I should be trying to be as honest as possible. Yes, um, that's helpful. Uh, it was just an idea I came up with for the studio to create more online content. To you know help uh, bolster the the studio's online presence. Because, content marketing basically yeah I think it's basically I find the idea of organising conducting editing and posting an interview much preferable to going on Twitter <laughs> yes there is that but I guess they're two totally different things aren't they like, they are they are yes they are this is content Twitter is Twitter <laughs> Twitter is Twitter is where you go to get content in small sections and then you have to post link to something big I'm trying I'm trying to get back into it I mean like I used to tweet occasionally and I've been trying to get back into it but I think it's just like I just can't be fucked keeping up with it what is it you don't like there's so much of it (laughs) there's so much stuff there's so many people yeah you know like I don't even follow that many people but like if 
if I start following somebody and they're posting five or six times a day and retweeting as much as that as well, I just unfollow them. I'm just like, I can't be fucked. You're clogging up my stream. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't see interesting things because of all this nonsense that you're posting. I don't want to post stuff that's nonsense either. I mean, I will. But <laughs> I don't want to. That's interesting because, like, uh, f- f- partly part of what I do with my job is, is in the sort of whole content marketing realm. And, like, they say you're supposed to tweet between, like, 20, like, 15 and 20 times a day. Fuck off! And, yeah. Because, like, a, a tweet's got, like, a lifespan of, like, like, two minutes. So, unless you're the yeah, guy... Yeah, so why bother? Yeah, well, there's... Yeah, you must be the guy that's on Twitter, like, all the time just watching it. Most people just look at it and go, oh, that's cool. No, no, right, no, 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 Barely ever on it. I go on Twitter when something goes up on my phone saying that somebody's done something. Somebody's done something. Uh, and once in a while I'll be like, I should probably send a tweet. Yeah. I haven't sent a tweet in a while. But then nobody ever responds to them. You know, unless I've like specifically like tagged somebody in it or anything like that. And then I get a notification saying, Jamie has <laughs> tweeted for the first time in ages, see what you said. Yeah, that's <laughs> most of my tweets. <laughs> what did they say? I think I might try using Twitter again. Which I think I've tweeted about five times, usually with months of gap between them. So is that from your own Twitter account or from the lo-fi one? Uh, from my own one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lo-fi one generally gets used for things like, you know, we've had a last minute cancellation for roommates. Book now and save X number of pounds. Did you guys once have Only Crime in here? Have what? Like the band Only Crime, the punk band, I think they were in here practically. Yeah, yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah. Were you in that day? I think so. I can't remember. Because we like Craig. I'm pretty sure I was. Craig, my flatmate, and someone first step to failure. Like they played with them that night, and and built, they took like three hours to tune the kit on an audio. And uh, Bill Stevenson's floor tom was like one of the worst sounding things I've ever heard in my whole fucking life. <laughs> and we've got this funny joke whenever we hear really bad floor tom, it's like, yeah, Bill Stevenson. This guy used to be in Black Flag, but he can't tune. He's one of the best producers in the world for punk, and he can't tune floor tom properly. What's that? So we get his floor tom Larzo snare. Yeah, and who, who's the I'm, try, I'm trying to think. Who's got the worst here. kick drum? Um, just any metal kick drum. <laughs> I was going to say from that. the last five years, just that triggered. Yeah, we'll, we'll go. I think we'll go for a sort of catch all and go with Adam from uh, Killswitch. Because he mm. played in the first, he played in the first two albums, and he's got that production kicky sort of uh, it's triggery like, sound. It's, it's super triggered. Yeah. Like if you want to go the polar opposite, like great drum sounds, Baroness. But oh mate, yeah. But the new album, man, I don't think production's very good on it. I like it. I don't like it as much as I like Yellow and Green. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I love it. Different producer, I guess. Those, yeah. yeah. He'd be yelling, I remember listening to that in Flatmate's car and just hearing the drums swirl about you. They're so perfectly panned. I was like, yeah. oh my God, this is amazing. It's John, it was John Conglitton, wasn't it? For the paper chase. Mm, don't ask me. He'd done, he's, he's done, last, he's done the new Chelsea Wolf Chelsea album as well. That's fucking good. Yeah. Good That's record, a good record. I was listening to that. Sounds good as well. <laughs> like, see that opening track, he's like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. This is amazing. I tried to let it, uh, me and my girlfriend listen to it. She's like, no. <laughs> I'm so reminded me, I did a, 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 I wrote a blog today, which I, it's not something I've ever done. I read that. You read it? I read it. Fuck off. I did. I, came, I, I was sitting at work doing nothing and I thought, oh, let's, I went on Facebook to see what time we're meeting at and it popped up and I was like, oh, cool. And then, I, I, and now, why that, why now that you've mentioned Chelsea Wolfe, I'm wondering why she's not Yeah, I was just going to say why she's not 
Long story short, it's the blogs for because uh, it's International Women's Day, mm-hmm. hooray for women. Uh, and I tried to to post that it's something do something as uncynical as possible mm-hmm. and just a celebration of some of my favourite women in music. Yeah. Uh, Bjork something there. Of course, Bjork something there. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't. I've not. I've, had, I've not got it yet, man. Don't explain it. Explain it. <laughs> <laughs> You don't explain Bjork, you listen to Bjork, you love Bjork, and you and continue that's it. to love Bjork. That's, <laughs> that's it. it. It's so bonkers. Like, she's got, like, I'd say if you want, like, an in to Bjork, if you want this, if there's stuff you want to listen to, to, you know, to, to find your way into it, if you're looking for something a bit kind of harder, listen to Army of Me. Mm-hmm. If you want something a bit more chilled, listen to uh, All is Full of Love. Uh, and if you want to hear something just amazing, listen to. Uh, I've seen it all, but listen to the version she did with Tom York. Okay. Because uh, it was from the Dance in the Dark movie, so it was her and uh, Peter Stormare. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun, I feel like. Yeah, it, is. Uh, it was her and Peter Stormare that did it in the film, because obviously she was in the film, and Peter Stormare was in the film. and as part of the film they did it but they did a version with Tom York and the rhythm starts off it's the sound of a train and they just loop this part of the train it's just I'm so this was amazing <laughs> like the string snack when you're like oh my it's like harps and it's like oh. where did Bjork happen for you? Uh I don't know, like anything, anything electronic and or, or like out of that kind of way didn't happen until I was in college because I was I was a total purist. I was like, you know, music should be played live, blah blah blah, 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 like fucking Neanderthal man with my protruding brow, <laughs> just going no to change and advancement in technology, <laughs> and. Uh, Right, okay, so this is a slightly weird... I, I, feel, I feel comfortable telling the story because it was so long ago now. So, I'm in college. It's my, my last year in college, I decided I'm not going to do my degree because uh, I got married really young and had a kid and I had a, a wife and kid at home who you know I needed, I needed to support and I thought I'd get to the end of my HND and I'll go get a job. Plus, it was making me hate music. And that... I couldn't really stand it. Was like, that was the part that really annoyed me. So what was it? What was it then? What were you studying? Music. Just music. I was yeah. studying music performance. Okay. Uh, and it was making me hate it. So I was just like, right, I'm going to get out of this for a while and I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to get a job. I'm going to, you know, look after my family. How old am I at this point? I'm, I'm only like you know, 19 or 20 years old. And, you know, really, really fucking young. And... About, I've already at this point I've been married for like two years already married when I was 18 so yeah I'll be about 20 and already the, the marriage is going south as you'd expect when you put two people who are quite young together don't even know each other that well um, can't even really function adults either. yeah not function adults throw a kid into the mix there as well you know it's it's bound to to cause 
friction, uh, if not problems, if not just, you know, what ended up happening, which was, you know, after three years we separated, after another couple of years we were divorced. Uh, but I just needed to get out of the house, I needed to be out of the house. It was too stressful for me and I was too young to be dealing with all this shit. Uh, so there was an advert up for a guitarist wanted for somebody's degree project and it was a trip hop project and okay. I was just like well this will get me out of the house uh, was that like kind of um, like Portis head uh, kind of yeah, stuff like yeah. Portis head massive attack tricky mm-hmm. uncle that kind of thing so I was like I don't know what trip hop is but I can play guitar and so I was doing a couple of these different degree projects because they would sort of take folk from the year below them and because they needed the extra musicians. Uh, so I went to do this and got given a tape of the songs you had to learn. And it was, it was like, it was Portishead, it was Massive Attack, it was Tricky, it was Lamb, it was, it was like some Beth Orton in there and all sorts of stuff. So like at that point I'm just like, holy shit, there's this whole world of music that I had completely neglected because my knowledge of electronic music, dance music, was what people in Lanarkshire listened to, which was bonkers. Happy, yeah, happy hardcore. It was happy hardcore. Yeah, so happy. It was getting stuck in school in the uh, technical drawing class where you're allowed to put on music and everybody wants to put on fucking happy hardcore and I'm just bleeding through my ears because I'm just like, can I not put some sound garden on? Uh, Apart from the sound garden, that's exactly like my experience in school. Yeah, I was when I was fifteen though, and because I got into corn and shit, as we as as you as you will hear later on in another podcast. But yeah, that's, that's do you think that's uh like that's really sad, isn't it? That you just start to get rid of that whole genre of music because of what well, yeah, because when you are like how old I was sixteen when I left school, so when you are fifteen, sixteen, everything is black and white, mm-hmm. you know. I like that, you know, I love this, I hate this, you know, and you tar everything with the same brush, you're just like, I love listening to Blind Willie Johnson, so therefore I love the blues. <laughs> then I tried listening to Blind Lemon Jefferson, couldn't fucking stand him, that was a bit of an eye-opener, because I thought I was supposed to like him, and I tried, but I couldn't. Uh, and then I heard Happy Hardcore, so therefore I hate dance music, and I hate all dance music, because dance music is shit. And it was the same way with my guitar playing with... Uh, it was always, I have a guitar and a tuner and an amp. You don't need anything else. Anything else is cheating. You know I don't feel that way now. You know, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm just like, oh, what fancy new pedals can I get? They're all amazing. I was just having visions of you being like Billy Bragg there on stage, you're like electric guitar and <laughs> pedal and amp and just one man. <laughs> Done that, yeah. But, yeah, so Portishead... Trip hop, yeah. So that opened up a whole new, a whole new side of music for me. And then, when inevitably, like uh, kind of year or so later, when my wife and I split up, uh, and I I'd been doing a lot of skateboarding and just hanging out with these guys that skated, and listening was like some hip hop coming in there as well. And then at that time, I was also getting heavily into like 80s American underground so 
Dinosaur Junior's day of stuff. I fucking hate Dinosaur <laughs> Junior. I can't. I, they're a band I don't get. Okay, yeah. I understand why people like them, but I don't get them. Like who's could do then? Who's could do replacements? Mm-hmm. Um, Big Black, Meat Puppets, yeah. Black Flag, bit of Black Flag, not loads of it. Uh, you know, some of it I liked. Um, Black Flag are divisive. They I are. Think. But then I, you know, they've the, the, went through so many. The ch- lineup changes and yeah. changes in their sound, you know. One man needs ego, basically. That's all. <sighs> yeah, Greg Ginn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but you will notice the fucking Kira Rossler was on my yeah uh, my eight women in in music. She won an Oscar. Yeah, it's <laughs> Member of Black Flag wins an Oscar. It's it's, it's bizarre. I think that like so much has come out of that one band. Yeah, that that like, guy is just become so fucking detached from not even not even like the sound which is fair enough because that happens as older but what it meant as well and, and like mm. like what it meant to people yeah you wonder why like there's like litigation all that kind of stuff involved and you're just like you're fucking black flag what are you doing were you thinking about fucking suing Keith Morris when you were sitting in that fucking van in 1985 <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is this is totally bullshit man but so Everyone's got their reasons for what they do. So 80s, 80s underground. 80s underground. Uh, it's better. I got, but it was like, it was all. It was never so much like there would be one band. Uh, it was always a bunch of bands. Would be like, I'd have like one or two of their albums that I just loved, uh, and rather than kind of delve right into their back catalogue, I would just find another band associated with them and find their kind of best. I'm very much cherry picking because. Uh, I have a really short attention span. Uh, so there was that's really that's really weird when <laughs> you say that. Given, given how long some of the Atlas Empire songs are, but oh yeah. <laughs> but then when you're playing them, it doesn't seem like that long. Um, when I'm writing my own stuff. It's like once you get past two and a half minutes, it's just like, what are you doing? My back. Yeah, some slight interruption there. <laughs> These things happen in the topsy turvy world of live recordings. <laughs> yeah, should have put a sign outside the door just saying, do not disturb. Yeah. Or just quiet. Fuck off. Yeah. Be quiet. Don't come in and steal gear. <laughs> <laughs> Ask at the desk. Anyway, where were we? Where were we? Um, yeah, so. Attention spans. Attention spans, yeah. Case in point. Uh, yeah, so it would be like. Um, I'd listen to Huskers' Candy Apple Grey like five times in a row and then like Land Speed Record or something like that but I wouldn't go and like be land and like I know I'm supposed to go and get Zen Arcade this is the one I'm supposed to get so you didn't get I've that? I still never got it I still never I don't know if everyone listened to the whole way through I was going to say like it's really it was really like when you say Husker do I just automatically think Zen Arcade which yeah, is I know. not a short attention span music at all no it's not <laughs> but I mean this, it's not even as if I'm, I don't listen to long albums I mean like at the time though you but not even at the time I was still listening to long mm-hmm. long albums and stuff like that it was just like I just by that point I was like also I was like right I'm also like obsessed with the replacements album Let It Be because it's just a masterpiece yeah. uh, or listen to Fugazi's repeater in three songs or, or The Argument mm-hmm. uh, you know Meat Puppets 2 you know should we stay here this is probably this is like like me this is before the internet like before we had computers this was like actually buying records I didn't, I didn't even own a laptop till I was 25 
and that that was 2007 <laughs> you know so uh, you know I, I didn't have internet for a long time and even once I had the laptop I didn't have regular internet access until maybe 2010 you know I didn't grow up with it with my parents didn't have it I probably had it after I left home but you know I didn't have it uh, at home I got uh, at college uh, which was great because that was just as Napster was becoming a thing mm-hmm. so somebody told me about Napster and then I was that's when I started listening to bands that I'd previously never even heard of before just you could just find anything on there mm-hmm. it's where I got like super heavy and paired with the line <laughs> uh, Still fairly heavy into yeah. David Bazan stuff today. Uh, I think he's one of the best songwriters that's ever lived. But like, I was like really, really, really <laughs> into Bedford Line. Not familiar with him, to be honest. Like, oh man, oh just oh, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Good time. But needless to say, like Bedford Line, uh, the, 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 he did an, an album, which is a concept. Al- well, they were all kind of concept albums, but this was very much was a story. From start to finish, the start of the record to the end was a story about the this relationship dissolving and breaking up, and then the ends in murder. You know, it's mm. it's it's, it's, it's it is, but it's also just awesome music. Mm. You know, uh, and this came out like right after me and my splop, so I listened to this album like three hundred times <laughs> in a month. You know, just it was on constantly in the flat. Uh, it was like it was my breakup record. With my my blood on the tracks, you know, I was just like <laughs> singing these songs at the top of my lungs in my wee one bedroom flat, you know, into a bottle of Southern Comfort, just being like, "Ah, so sad right now." <laughs> Do you have you got what other what other albums have you got that sort of highlight moments in your life? Uh, I don't know if anyone's before, but it just immediately occurred to me when you mentioned that. <sighs> Because we use that, we do that. Like, there's people that are doing music, we use yeah. that. Oh, like, yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think I don't have, no, maybe not different periods in my life. I'm sure if I think hard enough, I'll be able to think. There's quite a lot from that period yeah. because it was such an emotional time, you know. Understandable. Uh, Elliot Smith's Figure Eight was a big album for that, for that time as well. I fucking love that record so much. So man. good. See, on. The drums on everything means nothing to me. Mm-hmm. The kind of delayed drums when that comes in, you're just like, oh, whose idea was that? Because <laughs> it shouldn't work, but it's so good. Yeah. Shibidate tries is the one for me, man. That gets me every single time right in the fuse. Which one? Shibidate tries. Oh. Gets me in the fuse every time, man. No, uh, everything reminds me of her. <laughs> Fucking hell. But the Alice Smith song that gets me the most is Twilight. I mean, off uh, from a basement on yeah, the hill. Yeah, yeah. You're just like this guy was never happy, was he? <sighs> well, he was. He was. He was. You know, like uh, that's the sense you get from music. His music, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Have you seen the the film? I've not seen it yet. I haven't adored you. Watch it. I really need it's to see great. It, it's great. It's really great. That was shown recently, wasn't it? The Glad Cat. Yeah. Sure it was. Yeah. It's an it's an amazing film. Uh, right. So anyway, we're very music. From periods in your life. You can go back to Elliot Smith. I can talk about him all day if you want. I can talk about Pedro all day. I can talk about this stuff all day. I'm a talker. Uh, talky talky man. <laughs> <laughs> See, once I get started on subjects I know something about, or at least even I'll, I think I know something about them. That's it. Yeah, so the very subjects you know about yourself. So we've talked about all that kind of stuff. But when did you? When was? When did you pick up the guitar? Like when? Well. 
Um, like, not the most musical family, my mum, but my mum played a bit of guitar. And she had a couple of guitars sitting about the house. There was an old Spanish guitar that she'd had since she was 21. And then at some point she'd wanted to get a steel string guitar. And had got uh, one of the old Echo Ranger 12s. Now I believe it was one of the last batch before the factory burned down. And she got in this music shop in Hamilton. Wow. And that was always kicking about the house. And then at some point, she decided that she couldn't deal with the 12 strings and had taken the harmony strings off and removed the machine heads. They're gone now, no one knows where they are. Did mm. uh, they get all about? <laughs> it's at my girlfriend's house. <laughs> um, my brother was using it for a while, I wasn't really playing much guitar, so I borrowed it so that I had a guitar at my girlfriend's house. Uh, I use it occasionally, like if I'm trying to work on something but I'm overseeing her or if you know just just so there's a guitar there mm-hmm. so I can always always play something handy yeah yeah. Uh, usually so I can sing daft songs to her while she's making dinner <laughs> that's not a anyway a the woman makes the dinner kind of thing I just <laughs> I'm a terrible cook yeah but uh, yeah, so the, those guitars were always kicking about and I remember my mum trying to show me a few chords when I was maybe about nine. But it's also it's a 12-string guitar neck. It's, it's just a big white neck, so it was too complicated. I didn't like it. It's too much for me. I think I tried that once and that was it. And then as I got older, I was... Uh, my brother had started playing guitar and... My sister was playing the flute, I think, at the time. And my wee brother was playing something, the euphonium <laughs> at school. So whenever he was sitting and playing it, he just walked past and just hit this bit release valve. So it just <laughs> launched spit all over his trousers. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're brothers and that's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, uh, then at some point I was like, right, I'm going to learn how to play the guitar. Purely because... A wee small village, there's nothing to do, you know. There's nowhere to go, you know. You, you can't go hang out, play, you go hang out your files and play computer games and all that, but you can't do that every night, mm-hmm. you know. People get have things to do, people yeah. get, you know, have other pe- other friends to see, you know. It's, Families have to do family things and all yeah, that. Yeah, so not a lot going on, so I wanted to pick up the guitar, so I went. And, Chat to my big brother's door and I was just like, eh, "Can you can you teach me how to play the guitar?" And he's just like, "No." <laughs> but he's like, "I don't really know how to play the guitar that well." It's like, "Look, Mum's old Spanish guitar is still downstairs. Why don't you? Here's a sheet of chords. On you go. Give it a bash. Give it a bash. And then before long, I was just like, that's all I was doing." And then that Christmas I got uh, uh, an acoustic guitar for my Christmas because I was like, at this point I was obsessed and was actually starting to get quite good at it. And then it was all I was doing to the detriment of everything else, you know. Like, my studies went to shit, you know. I was uh, just playing the guitar and annoying people with how much I played the guitar, like six hours a day, just fucking... I should be a lot better at that point. Uh, Yeah, that was it. There was... It was boredom. 
Long story short, I got bored of learning how to play the guitar. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
Well, I'd always written. I'd always written stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember writing these these big, long, awful, sprawling, like sub 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 par Tolkien esque fantasy stories, mm-hmm. and they were like I don't know, like one hundred and fifty A four pages long, and I would like read them to my wee sister who was like just like eight or something seven and they were fucking terrible I mean they're just oh my mum found a a book of like a notepad of mine and gave me it like a few months back and it was from years and years ago it was from when I was still in high school and I was like stories that I was working on in it and I started reading them and I just I just tore out the pages and threw it in the bin. I was like, this is fucking horrible. It's the biggest cringe. I don't want anyone to ever see this. You know, there was nothing redeemable about it. Nothing. It was pish. Did you read a lot then? Oh, constantly. Yeah. I was... I, I, I was a voracious reader. Uh, again, small village. Not much to do. So before guitar, it was... It was reading. Uh I just get funny looks from the librarian at the at the local library. So I go in and you had your little obviously before like electronic cards and that. So you had these little like cardboard tokens, like little pockets, and they would put the little thing from inside the book into it, and it went in their big filing system. And they were like kind of weird off red colour. I still remember remember all of them. And you would get you had seven of them. You weren't allowed to get more than seven books. I was also like videos and CDs and stuff like that. So you'd go and you'd take your seven books out. So I would do that like once a week. Read through them all. Next week, another seven books. Another seven books. Mm-hmm. But I would be going up to the counter with like a tile of like a book of Asterix, Tintin, and then they had a not a very large but a fairly decent uh, like graphic novel section yeah so it was there that I discovered like um, uh, Grant Morrison's Batman Arkham Asylum or uh, uh, oh what was the one uh, oh there's the the, the, uh, the Death of Superman or the uh, one of my one of my favourites at the time because I was too young to know that Arkham Asylum was a masterpiece it was uh, Batman's The Sword of Azrael which I later tried to find the individual issues because I thought oh it'd be nice to have them uh, these individual issues of this comic that I, I really enjoyed there's only four of them how hard can it be how expensive are they going to be I know that they're from the 90s or the, like the early 90s but how expensive are they really going to be turned out it was like the first stories done by Joe Quesada who now runs Marvel yeah, yeah. so <laughs> They're worth quite a lot of money, so I can't afford them. <laughs> I'm just like, fuck. Introduce, and he introduced it as the first induction of the character of Azrael. Uh, uh, so things like that. And they had to have, like, Edgar Allan Poe and stuff like that. And, like, you know, just strange shit. This bizarre collection of stuff. And they'd just be looking at me going, what the fuck are you reading? <laughs> or, like, Alistair MacLean. Do you ever read any Alistair MacLean? Scottish, it's all like war stories and stuff like that. It's yeah, like yeah. Uh, the guns in Navarone and uh, 
Queen Eagle's there and stuff like that, you know, it's, my granddad it's action to... stories for boys. My, my dad used to read that stuff when he was growing up and that. Oh yeah, I read tons of that kind of stuff, and like any kind of fantasy stuff, I'd get my hands on, like because there's only so much talking, <laughs> you know. And so you have to go for like second best kind of stuff. So you're like, a fan of David Eddings. I was just about to say David Eddings. I was just about to say David Eddings. I remember reading the first two series. Uh, the Marillion. No, no, the Bel- Belgrade. Uh, that was the first one yeah and I think I read that second but the, uh, the first one was the, the follow up to that that I read yeah, first I think that's the the Cimmerillion no Cimmerillion's Tolkien oh fuck Belgiad and I can't remember I can't remember but it's I, I read I read all those it was one of the like when, when my Zedar the Apostate yeah Fuck, why did that come into my head? I haven't read these books in years, yeah. Belgrath and all that. I just remember... I don't, and stuff. No, I don't remember that. I just, like, there's little bits of it that stick in my head. Like, I remember Zedar the Apostate because I thought it was such a bizarre name. And I remember the conjuring uh, weather magic and the guy being totally exhausted afterwards. The kind of going, what, you just made it rain? He's like, do you have any idea how hard it is to change the weather patterns of the world so you can make it rain in this one spot? You know, grow up. <laughs> that kind of thing. That's, like, all I remember about it. Yellow Pope. Uh, like Terry Brooks was another one. Belgrath was, like, the, the, the master sorcerer mm-hmm. that was teaching, which is the, the wee guy who would do it and all that. And Polgraph was, like, his sort of sister or wife thing. Mm. Yeah. I still have those books. Like when my when my step when my stepmom moved in with my dad because she's from Wales. Um, she was like she's really she was really into fantasy and she was like you should read these your Eddings books and I was like okay and I, I just consumed them all like like the, those two trilogies or quadrilogies or whatever they are. I think it's four books in each series. Maybe five. Five. I read them sure. all anyway, like back to back, and I was like holy shit, this is so cool. Then I read Terry Pratchett. Yeah. Oh, Terry Pratchett was another one uh, who I. Uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically gave a second and third chance to because the first two I tried to read I didn't like the well, first two you tried to read um, you know uh, they weren't Discworld ones this is the thing one was ah. the Dark Side of the Sun and the other one was no the other one was a Discworld one it was one about the witches, but I can't remember which one it was. See, I could never get into witches. I could never get into witches. No. Then I read Guards, Guards. Yes. And I was like, this is it. This is brilliant. And then I went right back through all of them. You know, went right back to uh, Colour Magic and Light Fantastic. And it was Mort for me. It was the first one I read. Yeah. Mort. Oh, Mort's brilliant. And I remember, remember the Dick. That's a good one to start with. Yeah. It's like death. It's like, what the fuck is this all about? Is it speaks in capital letters. Yeah. No chapters in any of the books. It's just like, I've never seen anything yeah. like it. It was yeah, so bizarre. It was yeah. everything about it. It was just like so original and unique. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I only recently got around to reading uh, Good Omens they did with Neil Gaiman. I bought it in the house, but I've not read it. Oh, it's brilliant. It's, it's, both quintessentially Neil Gaiman and quintessentially Terry Pratchett. You know, the kind of, the atmosphere of it is very Gaiman-esque, but the language, the, the like, the puns, you know, that kind of thing, the, 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 the very Englishness of it is pure Pratchett. It's wonderful. I absolutely adore it. Uh, but all this led to you writing fantasy stories then. Yeah, well, like, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I was into. You know, that's what I, I enjoyed reading. Who was it? David Gemmell was another one. Fuck, why do I keep thinking of these guys? Um... Anyway, so I'd <laughs> long story, yeah. not so short. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd been writing loads, and then 
got into to playing guitar, so the most natural thing to do was to start writing songs, which were terrible, uh, and would remain so for some time. And uh, I mean, at the time, I mean, like I was uh, quite a religious upbringing and remained quite religious until uh, pretty much up until my wife split up. So, like, the music coming in wasn't necessarily as diverse as it could have been. So what I was doing was singing a songwriter and stuff. It was all basic chords, 4-4, four, four, occasional 3-4, just to, if I was feeling a bit saucy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just shitty songs. Just bad, bad, shitty songs. And... Be persevered, though. Oh, yeah, I just kept writing songs and kept... You know, like, oh, this song's great, I really like this song. You know, two weeks later, that's, that's not good, I don't like that song, it's not very good. Well, but, oh, if you stopped doing the fantasy writing and you started in the songwriting, what, what, if the songs were terrible, I'm always interested in this, why did you keep going? Well, because when I was at the time when I was writing them, I thought they were good. Mm-hmm. So then by the time I'd written something else which I thought was better, I realised what I'd written before wasn't very good, but now I'm better, I can write that. So each time you do it, you're getting a bit better. So you just keep going. That's what the fuck else am I going to do? You know, it's like that's what it's, it's the only thing I kind of know how to do. Even if I don't know how to do it that well, you know, it's like just keep doing it. Yeah, just do it until it's good. Yeah. Basically. Well, that's that's how anything works, really. So, so, so I thought. I think it's not like a. I think every songwriter when they start out is obviously going to be the same. Um, although for me, I've never had. I've never. I think we spoke a little bit about this in, in your podcast, but. I don't think I have I've only written a handful of songs which I actually think are any good out of all the songs mm-hmm. I've ever written and that is even after writing them at the time I was like very acutely aware of the fact this is, this is not so good uh, no I, I, I've got a problem with my ego though so at the time I generally think that I am I, 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 I go from thinking that what I do is a work of art it's genius and why are people not listening to what I do I mean, they're not listening to what I do because I'm not letting them to hear it. You know, that's the answer to why they're not listening to what I do. Uh, I go from that to why the fuck am I even bother? This is shit. This is all terrible. I should just give up and go work in a bank. Yeah, and I fluctuate between that. You know, on a, on a, on a sometimes daily, sometimes hourly basis. That's <laughs> <laughs> like that's the whole um, that's the whole psyche of the artist, I guess, isn't it? Like that's that's part of the reason why. Unless you're Kanye West. Unless, oof, or Prince. I'm not sure Prince is that arrogant about his music. Um, I think, I think he's, I don't know, like he's, <coughs> I know what you mean, I know what you mean when you say that, but. Because he's, he's, he's not very, he's, he's not very public about his thoughts on himself, really. Not anymore. Not anymore, I mean like, he just kind of just does it. Yeah. He's always just done it, I think, but I think the lack of filler yeah, has been. Yeah, he's a fucking, because he's a fucking musical genius. Yeah. I, th- I would like to think someone with that, that amount of talent and that amount of skill would be very aware of the fact that someone was bad decided that left his fucking brain you know what I mean which has clearly not been the case otherwise it would be like 35 albums in a career and you're still playing songs from like the 1970s and all that do you know what I mean so or he has a respect for his audience and uh, knows that that's what they want to hear I don't think he does I, I, I once actually asked him a question on Twitter about how him if it annoys him that people want to play his songs and he said replied to me he said 
yeah, well, he, didn't, he didn't even reply to me, he quoted me, and then he, he, he replied to me with a link that said how to really annoy Prince and like <laughs> five best covers of Prince songs. And that was like, that was it. <laughs> I just explained it entirely. I was like, well, what kind of person is... He can't be so... Obviously, he's aware of the fact that his fans and musicians aren't going to want to play his music if they're inspired by it, but he doesn't like them doing it. That's kind of... That's kind of odd to me. Yeah, then he goes and covers other people's music. Yeah, like, liberally. <laughs> yeah. Like, not just occasionally, like, every fucking show. <laughs> he does it, like... He's a... He, yeah, but, I mean, like, there's so few people in the world that can get away with it. Yeah, well, he's made... With being that way... That's a, that's totally. It. I think that's. And I think that's but the problem is that there is people that can. Mm-hmm. You know, he gets away with it because he's Prince. He made fucking Purple Rain. You know, yeah. he made. You know, what was that? What was the name of that album? Is it Diamonds and Pearls? Mm-hmm. The new Pearl Generation album. Yeah, the uh, You know, he's made so many great records. He's written so many great songs. He, he's a virtuoso in multiple instruments you know he's the consummate performer mm-hmm. he's taken a stand on issues before we even realised about issues in the music industry yeah he's the one that brought like, he was the first person I remember I remember him going with like, remember that whole thing with the slave mm-hmm. on his cheek you know I remember that it happening in the mid 90s you know and it's like you didn't realise that was a thing you know you thought musicians all had a great time mm-hmm. he used to stand the standards going I'm one of the biggest musicians in the world and I'm not having a good time you know <laughs> but I've lost what we were, what we're talking about uh, that doesn't I guess it doesn't really matter nah. but uh, we'll go back we're going to talk about your your musical journey my musical journey yeah, yeah. so like the, the songwriting led to better songs which then led to continuing to be in your own I was your first band. Uh, the front of Bamas and Folk in school. Oh, that was. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So there was a couple of guys was at school with another girl that was at the same church that we went to, and we formed this little band, just guitar, bass, drums, vocals. We weren't very good. Played in kind of churches and stuff like that. And then the last year sang, uh, Carolyn Robertson. Uh, died <laughs> uh, very suddenly uh, she contracted meningitis and a few days later she was dead that was brutal, man. and that was oh, that was fucking that was that was, that was a terrible time um, she was also my wee brother's girlfriend at the time which made it even worse you yeah. know uh, but that was uh, yeah that was harsh I was about 15 at the time and there was a whole other heap of shit going on at home at that time as well that I'm not going to talk about. Uh, you know, so that was a pretty shitty time. We tried to do some stuff, just the three of us after that, but it never really transpired. And then I moved away to go to college. It was just like, you had your college bands, and then I think maybe my last year of college I started a band uh, called The Hideous Mr Goldstein <laughs> uh, which was it was okay <laughs> we weren't together that long we wrote a few good songs played a few shows um, it was my first real that's when I was like 21 and it was my first real experience of going out and gigging with uh, 
with a band. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd done stuff with like obviously like in church stuff that I was younger and I on my own like I'd done a thing where I got flown over to the States to play this youth camp and uh, it was all just, that was just me and myself. Uh, and I'd done so much stuff just on my own, but songs still weren't that that good. And the band songs were a bit better. I really enjoyed that. And then I, I when my wife and I separated, uh, I I fucked off the states for a wee bit, like for a, few, a couple of months. And then when I came back. The, I was living in Perth at the time. The drummer had moved to Dundee and the bass player had moved to Liverpool. You know, in the course of two months, and I was like, oh well, that's that. And then I ended up moving up to Aberdeen. Uh, I was there for a couple of years and various attempts to try and start bands but I did kept on doing solo stuff the songs got slightly better and then I was doing a a side thing with Dave who's the bass player at the Empire so we're, 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 at this point we're still 10 years ago mm-hmm. uh, we had this little bizarre side project called Death by Dave which was me and him sat at a table on stage with like a lamp and like a drum machine and like a, a Line 6 pod <laughs> and a couple of guitars which we weren't even always playing uh, and we were just doing these strange little songs and making fun of each other and we always had like different things or- ornamenting the, the table that we were sat at like uh, we had a photo frame was always there and we put a different person's picture in it each time. Uh, like one one guy we did, we had the, the bass player from Dave's band was in it, and then when we had Wolverine in it, and then uh, had this horn. It was like a like a like a like a ram's horn kind of thing that I would sometimes talk through, and it would sound like this, and it would be quite funny. <laughs> We're just being daft, and uh, got a kind of, sort of small kind of underground following there. Uh, I remember getting, uh, getting fired from my job. I was like miserable as fuck, and was walking up to the job centre, and then across this road, and this car beeped its horn at me. This guy leaned out the window, goes, "Fucking death by Dave!" And I was like, <laughs> like made my whole day. I was just like, "Oh my god, that's so weird." First time I ever got recognised for doing something. It was just really bizarre. And then at the end of my time in Aberdeen, I joined Dave's band, The Vandalays, on as a bass player. And we all moved out to Glasgow. This is when I started playing in bands properly. Uh, yeah. Do you want me to keep going with that? Because I can keep, I can, yeah. I can go chronologically and we can get through this a bit quicker. So that yeah. if you've got somewhere to go. Or how, how, did, how did you get to Atlas Empire then? Got to Atlas Empire through... Right, okay, so there was the Vandalays, who we just stopped rehearsing at some point. And then they started rehearsing again with a different bass player and didn't tell me. <laughs> uh, and then I was playing another band called Dirty Hearts. It's a kind of synthy pop band for about six months, seven months, something like that. Then was after that I was doing still doing I was doing like solo electro stuff under various different names. Uh, and then what was it doing yeah so then I joined the Silent Forest which I was in for like five years and through like doing shows like that I mean people through the, the open mic block that I now run 
or co-written rather. Um, I met Steve Gillis and started doing sound for his band at the time, The Ocean Fracture. So mm-hmm. I, I eventually became their, like, their sound guy. And then from there went to, we were playing, we did a, another sort of side band that was just a bit of fun uh, called Cavalcades, before that band Cavalcades came out. Um, we played maybe five or six shows, it was us and uh, Chris Grant. Do you know Chris Grant? Used, used to play in uh, Miss Atlanta and does parkour runs and jumps off things no it doesn't mean a bit and so it was his wee thing that, that me and him were kind of working on and Steve came on bass and me and Chris were playing guitar and did uh, Paul MacArthur on drums and then that was never really a, a serious thing that was always just a wee thing we did inside mm. and then Steve had joined another band uh, his name I'm not going to mention because they're still a band but we're not going to mention it. Uh, and had then recruited me for that band on bass. We were in this band for like nine months. We never played a show. It was all rehearsals and recording and stuff like that. It was all trying to do things properly, trying to get the, the material ready and then launch it out. And there was fallings out because the singer of that band, who subsequently actually left and is no longer in the band, he's getting started the band, he's no longer in the band, uh, had been messaging, like texting Steve, like about me behind my back. Mm. I had like a call the band meeting without me because there were, I don't know, it was like apparently I was too folky and weird for the, <laughs> the his, you know, stadium filling pop rock band. You should get tattooed on you, folky and weird. <laughs> really should. That's, that's, I like that. And then, so. Stephen and I up one day and he was just like look this is what's happening we're pals you should know about this and I was just like this is bullshit he's yeah. like I know it's bullshit uh, so we phoned the guy up and quit the fans <laughs> and he's like let's do absolutely something fuck this guy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely yeah. fuck this guy so we uh, uh, said like, let's do something just with ourselves so we could probably do something just the two of us and a drummer you know, I do electronics and stuff like that, so we can just do that. I can, you can, you know, play guitar and sing, and I'll kind of do some guitar, some bass, some keys, program and all that kind of stuff. We just get a drummer in, it'll be fine. So we're jamming stuff up in my flat, and uh, Dave was like, my flatmate, who's now in Atlas Empire. It's just like, that stuff sounds pretty good, man. Do you guys are working on? It's like, yeah, yeah, it's what, you, what you guys can do with it. It's like, I oh, just think get a drummer and we've got a couple of guys interested so we'll uh, you know I'll just kind of retake guitar and bass and that kind of thing and get a drummer and he's like alright cool cool I think the band would benefit from like a permanent bass player though like an actual dedicated bass player I was like alright cool I'll I'll keep it in mind and then we're out Steve and I were out one night and we were at the garage on a Monday night like the rock night as it was Fuck, I can't even imagine doing that now. It's fucking horrible. Um, But we we were dancing away, and I was getting a bit drunk, and I was like, What do you think about getting a bass player? I think we should get a bass player. 
So if you get any MD in mind, it's like, Dave! Dave's a good bass player. Mm-hmm. Dave's always played guitar in his bands, but he, like, he played bass in Kelly bands, and you know, he's perfectly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's a good bass player, he's a great musician, uh, and I've done a couple of projects with him before, I know, you know, I know how to work with him, you know, he's, he's a good guy, and, and he's my best pal. So, ah, right, cool. So I immediately text Dave, of course, it turns out that was the reason he brought it up in the first place. It's just like he's like, I could play bass for this band. I think I'd be really good at playing bass yeah. for this band. <laughs> yeah, and then so after many years and uh, various lineup changes and whatnot, we are where we are today, and we're doing things and that. <laughs> what happens now, Alison? Are you working on a new record? Working on a new record. We're working on the on the the, the first full length. Mm-hmm. Um, We've got a tour in April with uh, Victor Villarreal from course, yeah. uh, Captain Jazz and Joan of Arc, etc. Uh, hopefully another tour during the summer that I'm not allowed to talk about yet. Mm. Uh, but once I am, you will hear about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then once the once the album's done and sorted and we can get it out somehow finally get back to writing material we've got all these things we've been working on but because we've got a whole album's worth of material that's not out yet we just want to get that done and dusted and mm-hmm. move on yeah that makes sense man yeah well I think that's a good place to wrap it up cool um, is there anything else you want to say or anything you want to ask me before we finish uh, uh, listen to the HelloFi podcast yes and you just go into iTunes and type in HelloFi and it comes up as the HelloFi podcast uh, I'll link that yeah, mm-hmm. and there's oh, there's a blog. There's the, the the blog of the podcast yeah. now, which I thought was quite yeah it amused me because I thought, thought it was kind of like the book of the movie. Does it have yeah. fun writing it? No, <laughs> I like writing fiction much more than I write. Uh, I like actually expressing opinions or saying things about real things. Yeah. Fiction's easier. You can you can be more honest in fiction than you can in, in you know in, in some kind of journalism I, I think anyway I think totally. as a person I wouldn't argue with that yeah and or oh, this new thing coming out because I just got this I can I can say I can talk about it now because I just got it confirmed today uh, series for BBC The Social The Songwriter's Circle of Death will be coming out soon with people writing songs about uh People have died in weird and wonderful ways, which I'm, uh, I've, I've created and I'm, and I'm organising. So a good project. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where that goes. You know, uh, I mean, it's literally just just today being uh, confirmed that it's going to happen. Yeah. So I've got to go and re-edit the first one and send that back in, and then chase people up that are doing songs for the rest of them. Excellent. But apart from that, right, Jamie? Yeah. Uh, at JW Start on all your. <laughs> Oh, just tweets and Instagrams that I'm barely I'm ever doing, yeah. <laughs> well I'm on Insta- I, I do post on Instagram fairly regularly yeah. every, every few days or so yeah I'm not a good Instagram I enjoy it more but I'm a visual person that's why yeah. I like comics so much all my photos look the same so I always take photos and look at them and go I shite and then I fucking post that oh, so it's like yeah fuck it that'll do yeah I guess I should probably take that approach anyway yeah. Jamie it's been a pleasure thank you very much thanks man thanks up there is probably one of the longest interviews I've ever done so far but 
I had a great time. We could have spoken all day, but because we were recording in lo-fi in the recording studio, that's why I wanted to wrap it up. Because we could have went on and on and on. And I would have loved it. It would have been great. There was a bit of noise in the background there because, like I said, we were in a studio and there was a band playing in the background. But I managed to, hopefully, I managed to sort of mix that out as much as possible. Hopefully it wasn't impeding on your listening. Didn't distract me when I was asking the questions either. So yeah, a great chat. Like I said, a long, long interview, so I don't really want to say too much more. These preambles and postambles can sometimes be a little bit um, lengthy and wordy. Sometimes it might feel like I'm trying to make up time. Sometimes I am. But this time I'm not. So yeah, thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As ever, if you can drop me a rating and review on iTunes, I would super, hugely, massively appreciate that. It would be it would be awesome to get that. But I going to play out now with a track from Atlas Empire. This track is taken from their their latest release called The Stratosphere Beneath Our Feet, Part One for the Satellites. And this song is called Hostess. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, bye-bye.